Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. You're listening to the GAA Hour with Darren O'Sullivan on Sports Joe. Hi there, you're very welcome along to the GR with me, Darren O'Sullivan, and I'm delighted to be joined in studio today by former Dublin footballer Barry Cahill, and joining us online is former Tyrone footballer Kyle Coney. Barry, how are things? I'll go Darren, yeah, good to be here. Of course you're delighted, big win the weekend, back to normal. Yeah, it was a big win, uh, I think a bit of perspective in terms of, of the opposition and, and you know playing against a, a mid-table Division 4 team, but um, I certainly did like the look of the, the vibe of the team and the energy and yeah, a few key individual performances, which is encouraging given uh, where they finished up in the league campaign, you know. Yeah, it was definitely a bit more Dublin-like, and Kyle, thanks for joining us, how was the farm? Form could be better. <laughs> yeah, picked the wrong week to get you on, I think, but uh, it could be good for us. Good, good week for you boys, bad week for me. <laughs> yeah, so I suppose, look, we're, we'll, we'll stick to it. It was a big game of the weekend. I suppose the big shock of the weekend. Uh, look, Derry, we talked about offline. Derry had had a very good league campaign, um, but I don't think any of us saw this coming. Um, just a performance by Tyrone. 118 to 10 points it was just so poor Kyle you know you'd know a lot of the boys you'd know a lot more than we do down here what was the thinking? Yeah well the thinking probably was as we said go off air Trump sort of got that game out of the way against Fermanagh the sort of potential banana skin the rustiness blew the cobwebs off a wee bit for a championship and leading into the dairy game that you know that was ideal preparation but just very, very flat from, from the off goal yesterday. Derry brought a serious intensity to it. Um, I just seen someone on Twitter before the match saying that Derry's warm up was ferocious. They never seen nothing ever like it. So they probably caught Tyrone doing what Tyrone do. Normally, they like to come out of the blocks fast and, and turn teams over. And so it's this, it was just a really flat performance. Yeah, and like we, I was saying there, um, we had Keen Mackey on the show there a couple of weeks ago and it was leading into the the National League finals and he actually suggested, he goes, that he thought Derry were tapering off at the league 
to start prepping for the championship because he said their last couple of league games were a bit uh, lacking energy which wasn't yeah. like them so look they hadn't won a game I think it was seven years in Ulster mm. um, but the performance had everything yeah it, it really had. did I mean like for even Rory Gallagher he's a very shrewd man yeah. you know and in terms of preparation he would add everything down to the absolute T um, they looked excellent in, in Division 2 and they looked like favourites to get promotion I think mm. after the first five games um, everything was trending in the right direction for them I think the the end of the Roscommon League game was quite controversial for yeah. them because they could have got a free and, and, and the Shane McGuigan red card and obviously um, I think it was the first half against Galway where they conceded three or four goals which was very unlike them but the funny thing was the fact that they didn't get promotion to Division 1 and the fact that they didn't get to maybe win a Division 2 league title in Crow Park actually played in, in you know was favourable to them in one sense because even though a lot of people would have felt that Derry would put it up to Tyrone I don't think the expectations were there that they would actually beat yeah. you know the All-Ireland champions in their home ground and also given the fact as Kyla said that Tyrone had got that championship game already under their belt so the way things transpired towards the end of the league actually was something that you know worked out in the end for Derry and you know they've been looking very strong the last couple of years even going back to last year um, they should have beaten Donegal in that Ulster Championship game and, and with the pandemic and everything and the fact that there was no backdoor last year that really went against Derry yeah. because they would have been very uh, very keen on getting a number of backdoor games under their belt last year to keep with that uh, development after coming up from Division 3 last year so um, things are trending very, very well for Derry at this particular moment and you know I think yesterday's game they they came out of the blocks very well. Kyle mentioned the warm up there, but they continued the first five or ten minutes. You know there was only one team in it really. They brought the energy, they brought the hunger, the motivation, and they were well on top. And I think even before any of the red cards happened, it only looked like there was going to be one winner on the day. And Kyle Barry mentioned there the red cards, uh, Kennedy and McKenna. They were soft, um, needless, but. Personally, I actually think they are red cards, not because of they're overly aggressive or anything like that. I just think it's a way of stamping all the the silly stuff out of it. But I suppose, look, you're retired, you're a Tyrone fan. You must have been roaring and shouting when you're seeing them red cards because they are soft and they are needless. But what was your, what was your own feelings on it? Would you be just saying no, Ricardo? Or would you agree with him? I was just saying no red card as such because as soon as you left your leg like that, with yeah. The amount of A's that's on the game, but with that being on TV, that, that's something you get away with. Uh, I said to one of the fellas uh, that was watching the game with me in the house here, like that's something you get away with in a club league game where the referee is turned to, to, to head away for blew the, the free kicker, blew the mark. And, but uh, really, really silly from, from Brian Kennedy. And, and look, Garth McKinnis is, is that type of player where he, he gets in your face, he, he's physical, he was really, really good going forward. Um, but but that's that's aggravation that that Derry were bringing to the game. That's a wee bit of niggle that, that mm. they needed to get up for the game. To, not that they needed to get up for, it, but where they needed to be to beat this Tyrone team. That's what they needed to play on the edge, and, and they done it really really well. They were they were physical. They were any any time they could slow up the play in terms of free kicks. They were they were cutting across Tyrone. It was a really really good performance. Um, the McKenna incident was, was frustrating mm. as as well. You know, throw, throwing the ball back. And hitting them on the head like it's petulant stuff really yeah. but it's, it's frustrating like seeing it from, from a Tyrone point of view that, that we didn't finish the game with, with the full quota of players but 
look, the, nobody to blame only, only themselves for the two incidents because, as I say, you're, you're not getting away with those things in a championship game. Yeah, and look, I think I've seen after, I think it's eight red cards now Tyrone have had this year in nine games, which, look, that discipline isn't going to win you anything. And uh, I suppose, look, we'll come back to this at the moment, but Tyrone can't afford to be without players because their squad is fairly depleted at the moment. So we'll go into the the players that have moved on, but it must be something that the management will have to tackle with this Tyrone team to keep their head. And like during the qualifiers, you're going to have to be calm, be, be composed because that discipline it was there last year. It's it's just not there this year for whatever reason. So I'm not sure. Yeah, we, seem, yeah. we seem to be having an issue. Um, with a bit of discipline we're having a few players that's maybe trying to throw their weight about now that you know they are being targeted a bit more being the All-Ireland champions that the the bullseye sort of moves a wee bit from from them hunting everyone down now that everyone's going after Tyrone and trying to get in their face but unfortunately you can't react to, to them situations uh, you know it's the old cliche you have to go for the next ball you have to be tuned in and it seems to be that the are tuning out a wee bit and they're trying to get involved in stuff that, that they've no call to be getting involved in and something that Brian and Fergal will have to address with the group you know because as you said the, this, you look into the, the bench and it's the household names are not there yeah. that we've been associated with down through the years and we're maybe calling on lesser experienced people in championship games and that's not where they want to be at the moment like yeah, and I always find with any team that I've been involved in, whenever the discipline is poor, it's normally because something else, yeah. you're, just, you're not playing well, you're just getting frustrated, or there's something yeah. annoying you and taking your focus away from the job at hand, which Let's, is winning the game. We, we look at Car McKenna, instant really, really good impact uh, off the bench against um, Fermanagh. Mm-hmm. I was surprised to see him start yesterday uh, and really wasn't in the game. Not, not that many players of their own really could hold their head high today but he wasn't in the game and that was a bit of frustration whenever the free kick was blue and he threw the ball back that was just I would say that was more a frustration of the whole day and a yeah. reaction a spur of the moment reaction Yeah and look it's nothing that well I've definitely done it a few times I did it at the weekend there I got black carded <laughs> so I can't really preach anything I'm not great at holding the head but I suppose uh, going back to Derry and you'd have had history with Rory Gallagher and he's a passionate man and yeah. we're talking off air I actually don't know how I'd react with a passionate manager on the sideline I think most of my managers were fairly calm I think it nearly put me off especially if I was on their side of the pitch but like you'd know him a lot better than me yeah, I mean that's that's Rory's personality, you know, and that's that's in his DNA. Um, we, we played a number of years together in St. Bridget's, my own club. Himself and Ramey joined us back in two thousand and two, and they played for six or seven years with us and helped us win Dublin championships and Leinster club titles. But um, Rory is a club coach in, in our club at the particular time, and you could always knew that coaching was something that he was really going to get into, you know, full time and you know, try and make a, a sort of career out of it. But in terms of that passion on the sideline, like he's had it for a number of years. Going back, I remember, you know, that infamous Dublin Donegal All Ireland semi final that, that that I played in. Rory was on the sideline there alongside Jim McGuinness and Jim was obviously very cool and calculated on the sign. Rory was the opposite. He any opportunity he was nearly trying to get onto the pitch, annoy Dublin players, you know, frustrate them, a few verbals or whatever, and I suppose try and, you know, distract the players in that sense. But I thought yesterday I I, I thought his passion and the energy that he had on the sideline was was something that was very welcome in my view. You know, I think it's a good thing to see amongst the manager 
a lot of the top managers in recent years um, don't really let their emotions out like yeah. that. You would have seen that with Jim Gavin, very passive on the sideline. You would have seen that with Mickey Hart. You know, any time the, the camera would, would cut to, to Mickey Hart, he looks like he's very calculated and figuring out the game and the next moves, etc. But, you know, I, I did like Rory's passion yesterday on the sideline and I think the players probably liked it as well and, and tried to feed off that. Um, and obviously, I think there was a clip of uh, one of the Tyrone cornerbacks <laughs> giving him a bit of a dunt um, at one point in the first half and again to, to, to a few minutes ago we were chatting about the Tyrone discipline like there's no doubt that they in the Derry dressing room the week before the game that would have come up in conversation that we're going to get under their skin we're going to annoy them from the first minute they have these discipline issues and look whoever Tyrone play in the next round of, of the championship and the qualifiers the opposition are going to do the exact same thing you know because everyone knows that this is a, a problem area for Tyrone and it's not going to go away yeah, and I suppose with Derry's style, I suppose Rory Gallagher's sideline style probably is fitting to that. I suppose mm. if Derry were trying to play this high energy style and you had a cam manager just standing motionless on the sideline, it probably just wouldn't look right. So, look, they seem to be getting the balance and moving yeah, in the, a good fit in the right there. direction. Yeah, mm. uh, Kyle, um, we're going to go back to Tyrone because there's so many questions at the moment. Um, you might know more, you might not, I suppose, as well. And but you were that player who probably you stepped away early and you came back and. It's a strange one after they win the All-Ireland to have so many players stepping away and myself and Barry talked about it off air as well. Do you know when you're stepping away from into county it, it is, it's all consuming and it yeah. is tough going And but these weren't players that were too old, you know, they still had loads to give and I, I always found it quite confusing. I know Darren McCurry came out uh, recently said they took the easy option and a few of them didn't like it but What's the word on the street up in Tyrone? Are people talking about it? Because it must be disappointing losing that many players because your squad just can't cope when you lose seven or eight players because training, the intensity, the level of competition just drops with it. Yeah. It, it, it's a big talking point up here in Tyrone where the strength and depth is something that we relied on last year with the getting to the all thing and coming through obviously against Mayo but you can't lose that type of player or the, the calibre of players they've mm. lost. Different if we have maybe someone really in the back room that, that walks away that's got their all Ireland medal that, that it seems to be happy enough and look, done the training and done the work and haven't seen much game time throughout the league or championship. But probably, bar maybe Michael Cassidy, who was a household name on, under Mickey Hart in the last few years, Q Pat and Gary probably didn't see a big pile of game time. But the rest of those lads were all Featuring at some stage, Mark Bradley started the Ulster final and was really, really good. Was probably unlucky not to play the semi final against Kerry. Yeah. Um, Ron O'Neill had been in and out of the team, uh, played in, in league games, but takes it back to our A, a versus B games that, that you know that every county has. Kerry and Dublin are the same, but the, our full back line of Michael McKernan, Padraig Hamsey, and um, Ronan McNamee probably are marking last year, Dara Canavan. Mark Bradley and Ron O'Neill. Yeah. That's yeah. not there this year. Or McShane was obviously on the bench last year as well, so they'd they be coming up against yeah. him on every training session, yeah. You've got a handful. That's Most of those players will probably start on, on a lot of county teams, you know. So the, the strength and depth is definitely a big issue. And we've seen yesterday, I was always under the illusion that, that this was going to come to the fore whenever the game, a, a game would be 110 to 13 points yeah. and it was 55-60 minutes this is where it was going to come to the fore yesterday probably we didn't see it because the game was gone at that stage but 
when Tyrone go down the line, that's whenever I was worried about this was going to come to a head. And it, it obviously is affecting the, the training preparation, you know, the, that intensity, that for, that I'm going to take so much energy. There could be a lot of players very comfortable at the moment, you know. And Look, if, if you start Cal McShane and you don't, then you have to maybe not start Conor McKenna or you, you start one of them and you have to, Dara Kennevin was the one who suffered yesterday, which me, me was the wrong call. I think we need Dara Kennevin on the pitch when, when he plays and he plays well, Turin can click up front. But it's definitely an issue. Uh, I'm not sure that any of those fellas will ever return. You know, the, mm. I know you said Darren that they weren't, you know, the age wasn't with them, but I, I think they're all retired. Like, you know, there's nobody, there's nobody we're going to see come back to the zone. Maybe, maybe Mark Bradley, but the rest of them, I would say that that'll be the, them finished up with their own yeah. careers. Like. Yeah, and like that, uh, you mentioned Derek Canavan. It was a big surprise for me to see him drop because he was, for me, he's one of the players that make Tyrone tick because he's a bit different to the rest of me. He's a bit yeah. lighter and he's a playmaker. He can finish. Um, bit of an X factor about yeah. him as well, you know. And uh, for me, McShane was so good off the bench last year and he's just not hitting form. And we all know he's a, he's a super player. But when you have a player like McShane who would probably be cross enough being left off and comes on with that attitude where he's going to make a difference, like that's invaluable, especially what, like we said, they're, they're lacking squad players at the moment. I've look, they're being patient with him, but it's just not working for him at the moment. Sometimes you have to take a fellow out of it. Yeah. And I wasn't surprised to see Conor McKenna starting. Um, but I just think they got that call wrong. There was three players there and I just think they got the wrong one. Well, they don't seem to have the options, I suppose, mm. which goes back to the, the strength and depth. But like, if you look at it last year, they probably relied on 17, 18 players to yeah. win the All-Ireland and, and get over the Monaghan game, get over the Kerry game and ultimately the final uh, against Mayo. And you had Canavan and McShane obviously having real impacts in those games. So, you know, from a managerial perspective, after winning the All-Ireland last year, they know that they can't really rely on the same 17 or 18 players to win the All-Ireland this year. So you would be looking for the squad players to move it up a level and move up a notch. And for some of those players, you'd probably hope as well that, you know, I didn't get to play in an All-Ireland final, but I've experienced this and we've gone through everything with it. Getting the medal is great, but I want to start in Jersey. I want to be a Tyrone player that's in a starting team that wins an All-Ireland. And from a managerial perspective, you'd hope that these guys would push on. And, you know, there might be three or four changes to the team then come championship time but with those guys stepping away um, you know their options are so much more limited and they just don't have the luxury I suppose uh, in terms of keeping guys on, on the bench or you know as good as like Myler is and McGreer you know like yeah. they still need to be pushed you know you, you no know, matter if you win an Ireland or an All-Star you need to be pushed in in every, every single training session If you don't have the backup you do get complacent you because do. you just expect to start. Yeah. And you might only be 5% complacent, <laughs> yeah. but that's enough for you to actually, you know, drop your performance. Yeah, look, look, I don't think anyone's going to be ruling Tyrone out. I think I I thought it might catch him later on in the year, but maybe catching him early, it might kick it him might into gear. Might be a good thing for them. Yeah, but uh, I suppose, Kyle, I don't want to go go by the whole segment without talking about Derry. Um, you Even though you're disappointed with the game, you must have been impressed with the direction they're going under Rory Gallagher because... Just the energy, the skill levels, they just seem to be really in sync with what, what each other are doing. Yeah, see, I've been really impressed with, with their league form. I know that the, the last few games probably didn't go as they wanted. I think they were the, the first team to get to 11 points in the league and, and not get promoted. So mm. they'll probably be, as Barry said, they were, that disappointment of not getting to Division 1 has probably fueled the fire a wee bit in terms of let's give this Ulster Championship a real rattle there 
they're probably the team that we've talked about the most in Ulster's last week well, and them and Armagh just with how they have turned the corner they've got their Rory really suits as we said it there the, the energy they bring that him on the sideline really gives them that platform to perform they've found a forward in Shane McGuigan who is exceptional can score from, from anywhere is now a real danger man previous years we could always associate it Derry we could have probably up here with me probably living so close to the the border and Derry we always talked about the players that weren't playing for Derry rather than, than the ones that were playing yeah. you know so they've got they've got the right uh, they're going in the right direction with, with their performances but it'll be another step up again against Monaghan in terms of you know how do we bring that same passion because the the it's easy to get up for one game for Tyrone. It's a local derby to a lot of players. A lot of them know each other. A lot of them go to university. Now they, it's a different um, scenario for Rory. Can he take his focus completely away from Tyrone now and focus on, on Monaghan? But their form has been really, really good. Uh, it's it's good to see Derry back you know, in that mm. regards because it, it, it helps Ulster football. We now have them. We have Armagh, Monaghan, obviously there, Donegal. Tyrone, so it gives a it's brought the Ulster Championship back from probably two or three teams now till there's there's about seven or, or eight teams that, that could all nip an Ulster Championship and, and be in an All-Ireland semi-final very handy Yeah it's incredibly competitive and I suppose you would have played your Tyrone career under Mickey Hart who as we said earlier just looks so cool and calm and composed how do you reckon you would have enjoyed it under uh, Rory Gallagher would he be your type of manager I, I I would enjoy Roy now. I think uh, the the way that he, I think he gives, I think he only spits in his hands once or twice during the game. Uh, <laughs> Every thirty seconds. But, <laughs> no, he's passionate. Like uh, I was speaking to him at one of the Tyrone Championship games last year. Um, he just he has that aura about him that, that he he kicks every ball with the players. So it's uh, I think I would enjoy that um, type of ma- manager. You know, uh, club manager is a bit like that at the moment. So. <laughs> He, I think he, he lives and breathes it though as well, you know. Yeah, um, that's the sort of personality he has. But I think, I think for Rory, the next couple of weeks is going to be very, very interesting because it's a totally different dynamic in the in the group. Expectations you know, are the high. Expectations you know. are high. A lot of people talking about them over the next two weeks. Lads can run away with themselves a little bit. Yeah. You know, they're not going in as massive underdogs against Monaghan. It's probably a fifty-fifty game. Um, and you know he really needs to manage the group extremely well I think in the next couple of weeks and the training sessions this week for example you don't want lads getting too uh, too far ahead of themselves you know people thinking there's another title there for you yes th- that is the aim but um, you know they've they probably had a bit of a siege mentality over the last few weeks in terms of the training and, and the motivation about going to the All-Ireland Champions and trying to beat them in their own backyard. Um, it's a completely different dynamic now in two or three weeks' time when they play Monaghan, so they'll need to manage that very carefully. Yeah, like they showed in the game the last day, their skill levels were very good. They took their scores number out, but it is that intensity, that manic intensity, that aggression at 100 miles an hour. That's Throne the difference. Yeah, you know. brilliant. And having skillful players able to run up and down and kick scores is great. You need to do that for 70-odd minutes. Yeah. And they did that the last day. So it is, like you said, it's about keeping that mindset that, right, we've beaten the All-Ireland Champions. But there's a realistic chance for all four teams to be winning this. And for me, I think the pressure is automatically is on Donegal. So, like, Cavan and Derry are in great positions going into the two games. Yeah. Um now the expectations have risen, 
but realistically, Monaghan and Donegal are still going to be favourites. Um, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't, you wouldn't back against a, a Cavan and Derry final because we've seen what Cavan can do only a couple of years ago. Yeah, um, I, I was at the Cavan game uh, last week and, and I, I did have a big um, favour for, for Antrim just of how the league form went. I know both teams were, were and or Cavan won a league title, but I just thought maybe with Antrim playing their football at Division 3, two games to go in the league, they were sitting top. Mm. Um, I thought they played really, really well against Armagh in last year's championship. There were 40, 45 minutes in the game. There were it was a draw. So, but Cavan came out. They found a real star in Paddy Lynch um, up front. He kicked eight points. Uh, he was exceptionally against Antrim. So, look, you wouldn't back against this. Is the Rory's focus now for Derry? Then, when you look at it on the other hand, he has till now. We talked about siege mentality. The, has to take the focus now and go straight to Monaghan. It's easy to get yourself up for one game, and we've seen it over the years. Teams can be nipped again in the next round because yeah. they've put so much focus onto one game. Yeah, it, that's the thing. We were actually talking about it off air as well, about how many games there were at the weekend just gone, and you've hardly got them digested, and then you're on to another weekend, and it's action-packed. And what I actually find, especially with them games, um, they're very emotionally draining. And getting yourself up to a certain level yeah. and trying to stay at that level consistently nearly every week or two weeks is going to be a challenge for a lot of these teams because right physically you can recover and get over. But mentally you have to kind of get your head in order as well, yeah. just go game by game. And like we said, they are coming thick and fast. It's actually quite hard to keep track of everything. Yeah, and, and Derry lads probably need to come back down to earth very quickly, very quickly. you know, in terms of because they didn't want to peak, obviously, for a couple of weeks' time for the Monaghan game. But the thing I like about Derry this year, and it's been obviously building for the last couple of years, that they do seem to be a very cohesive unit, which is something you wouldn't associate with Derry teams going down through the few years. And I mean, we've all aware of very good individual Derry players that weren't committed to the county and all the good Derry club teams as well the, coming through Ulster etc so you know they seem to have a very good collective energy amongst the group as well and they seem to be very balanced as well the spine team is very strong you know with Rogers there and McGuinness and Glass in mid, midfield um, but one thing yesterday I was very impressed with about was their full forward line and the full forward line scored 113 collectively Fair out scoring. of 118 and like that's what they're there to do yeah. that's their job is to score but um, that's a very high Return against a Tyrone team, one thirteen amongst three players, and yeah. McGuigan is the star man. I, I remember watching him in the, in the Division Three League final last year in Crow Park against uh, Offaly, and he gave an ex- exhibition, and you could see that this fellow was an all-star quality player. Um, but there is a bit of help around the team as well. You had Doherty coming forward uh, from wing back, kicking two very good points at, at key times as well. So I do like the balance am- amongst the group at the moment, and they don't seem over reliant on on one individual. Yeah, and like like we were saying earlier about the AVBs and Tyrone and who the Tyrone full back line would have been marking in training. Mm. And it's Yesterday was the night opener set. for them. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And I suppose one last point on the on the game, I suppose, with the two red cards, um, I'd imagine there will be appeals and it'll just be interesting to see how these <laughs> appeals go because yeah. that's, very another, busy with appeals that's another year. circus. Yeah. Um, I just wish they'd leave the media into the actual appeals um, process. process. So at least when... Uh, You've got good viewership levels for that now. Ah, pay-per-view stuff. <laughs> but sure, at least then when they say, oh, look, Conor McKenna gets off or Kennedy gets off, you'd mm. say, right, he got off because of X, Y and Z because inevitably they probably will get off Um well, they, well, they shouldn't get off. I they mean, shouldn't. there should be, should be red cards now. I don't know if McKenna will be suspended, given it was you know yellow and, and a black. 
Um, yeah. But, I mean, Tyrone can't afford to be without any yeah. players going forward. Um, you know, maybe hindsight, you know, having a five-week break and regrouping and not going through the front door yeah. might be a better option for this particular team. You know, I remember going back years, um, was it Armagh won the All-Ireland in 2002 and they got caught by Monaghan. Yeah. in the Ulster Championship the following year but they were able to come back the longer backdoor route and got back to an All-Ireland final that year so certainly Tyrone aren't out of it by any stretch of the imagination no. it's, it's a more condensed backdoor I think they only have to win a couple of games to get back into Crow Park and into maybe an All-Ireland quarter-final so, but the thing the big issue for me with Tyrone is they look very flat and the fact that they just don't have many options off the bench and they're, they're going to be very reliant on their key players yeah, the next couple of weeks, Kyle, are going to be interesting in Tyrone, I suppose. Um, would you expect him to appeal any of the suspensions, maybe for Kennedy? I think, what is it to say? Appeal everything? Yeah, I that's Eamon's <laughs> advice, anyway. Yeah. Appeal everything. Yeah, I hear the, I hear the <laughs> saying that. So maybe the GA should bring in you know, what, what they have in soccer, um, whereby if you do an appeal that's unnecessary that they, they double the suspension, the you thing, know? Yeah. <laughs> it might yeah. put people off. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, it, I would imagine they're, they're, they're appealing. They're, I would imagine that they'll, they'll be appealing just with the, the nature of how things are going with the minute with appeals, people can get off. So then they don't have the luxury of loads of players. So I would imagine that Fergal and Fergal's well, well, versus well, well yeah. so he'll be appealing them. I would imagine because, they can't be without any players, and especially two two of their their main players, and Conor McKenna and Brian Candy. So, um, they'll be they'll be looking they'll be looking at appeals in Croke Park, I would imagine, and there'll be a lot of talk over social media. You would you'd be sure of that another sideshow, and I suppose other than the the game up in Ulster the weekend, there was a big game in Leinster, blockbuster, helter skelter. Division 2 against Division 4 sorry I had to throw in that in <laughs> uh, Dublin and Wexford um, yeah look it was it was pretty much you know look you can't read too much into it but there was definitely a look of a crankier looking Dublin they look focused um, look I don't think the result was ever in doubt no. but just they were back to being ruthless yeah do you know exactly back to what they were doing probably under Jim Gavin against every opposition in, in Leinster for for a number of years and you know absolutely have to a bit of con- put in a bit of context around the fact that they were playing a, a mid table division fourteen but I did like the look of them um, they looked very focused uh, very energetic um, there was a bit of a pep in their step you know they obviously they, they were away a couple of weeks ago for a training camp there in Portugal and the league is behind them at this stage and look you've kind of Callahan back as well which is obviously a key player I mean he's going to be the key player for Dublin this summer absolutely he's a total game changer game winner and I think for opposition coming against up, up against Dublin with Conor Callahan there you know just takes the focus off of maybe some of the other players and it, likes, yeah. it gives the likes of Dean Rock, Cormac Costello, Paddy Small, when he comes back in, a bit more time and space because, you know, very few teams have six very good defenders that are going to be able to cover all of Dublin's forwards. So, um, Colin Callahan coming back, I thought he was outstanding at the weekend and I would have thought that he might get off to a bit of a slower start, to yeah. be honest, because he has so little game time under his belt. He hasn't played for Dublin. Um, going back, you know, a good eight months at this stage to the, the All-Ireland semi-final against Mayo. So, you know, his performance performance was very encouraging. One six from play, could have got a couple of more goals and, you know, Brian Fenton looked looked very strong as well, kicking four from play himself. Yeah, and Kyle, um, I suppose Tyrone have won All Ireland too, coming from 
Division 2 after being relegated as well. And I suppose the, the stick that Dublin got this year, it was very surprising um, considering it was just a poor league campaign. And these a lot of these Dublin players have four, five and six, seven All-Ireland medals. So it's like poking a bear and waiting <laughs> yeah. to see a reaction. And unfortunately, look, you have Tyrone All-Ireland champions. Everyone's been talking about Kerry as potential All-Ireland champions this year, maybe. And we keep poking that bear and they just came out yesterday and they just looked, all the things that they did well for the last number of years that they didn't do in this year's league, they just seem to be doing the simple things right, Kyle. Yeah, uh, as Barry said, it's, you can only, they, they can only play the team that, that's in front of them in regards to, to Wexford and no disrespect to, to Wexford, it's just, they're, they're nowhere near that level, but we, we've associated Dublin with, with keeping the ball and taking the, taking the shots at the right opportunities and, and that seemed to be one thing that stood out to me during the league they were maybe pulling the figure from places they wouldn't yeah. normally have done shooting from down deep in corners where traditionally Dublin would have held the ball for one, two minutes no problem Kieran Kilkenny would have got his hands on the ball maybe ten times in that one possession and they would have finally worked it into a place where they either won a free kick or they were they were taking the shot from, from a high percentage scoring zone they seem to be back doing that. Brent Fenton was exceptional. We know how good he is in the air, but going forward, he, I think it was five points he, he kicked. So it, it was a really, really top-class performance for him. And then we see, obviously, we have Colin Callahan back in. And it's one area that they were lacking, you know, up front. Just that, I don't know him personally, but he, he seems to be that number one thing is I'm going for goal. Yeah. And he has that killer instinct, off, doesn't he? Yeah. Second second option is a point and he has that killer instinct up front and it's it's something that Dublin had been lacking throughout the league. Just that cutting edge but we we are poking that bear and they come out in a, a serious day. They lay down a marker on Saturday evening where, where they're, they're definitely not out of this year's All-Ireland and I think, you know, there was talk of maybe People saying that Leinster Championship's open for for someone else to win it. I think that Dublin are nailed on again, and they'll they'll be there thereabouts come the business end of the championship this year again. Yeah, and I think you made a good point there, Kyle, about the, their scoring. Um, they were a bit looser with the efforts. They were going for a couple of the outrageous yeah. ones that that get the headlines. And if you look back over Dublin's scores over their dominant period you could hardly pick out many scores because they all look the same. Mm. It was just yeah. patience, Play clever. Yeah. yeah. And like some people do like, oh, it's boring. It wasn't. It was intelligent play. It was patient play. Yeah. They all knew their roles. You'd make a run. If you didn't get it, you'd continue that run and you'd get out. Yeah. Um, that kind of deserted them a small bit in the league. Um, a few fellas were just, just out of form and that happens. Mm. But like we said, Brian, you're frustrating. Brian, fellas as well, I think, you know, yeah. maybe that's not totally in the in the system that, that Dublin have been playing for a number of years when they, they won the All-Ireland for five years in a row. You know, so there's no, there's no, you were trying, you fellas trying Larkin O'Dell, you were trying um, Sean Bugler, maybe who, who's been there a wee bit longer, but you, you just see, seem to see something very familiar on, on Saturday where Dean Roth would normally go deep into the corner and that would attract a defender and then they would come on the loop and just shoot from the edge of the D where, where, where he wants to be shooting from and that that was the biggest thing for me that that stood out that Dublin were back to playing the percentages back to doing what they've known they've done for, for so many years and play, playing to what they're good at and 
they, they probably have a lot of really, really good ball players that are comfortable on the ball. Nell Scully, Cormac Costello, Brian Hurd. Like, every one of those fellas are really comfortable on the ball, where some other teams you make and just be as comfortable with, with so many players. So that that's that's one thing that, that I, I like to see from Dublin. Uh, and uh, it was evident on Saturday that they were back to doing what they, they do best. Yeah, there's definitely no player in that Dublin squad that you can actually leave and have the ball because they're all as comfortable as, as each other. And I suppose we mentioned there earlier, it, it, look, it's a hard game to... We're not going to judge them on it. Uh, we're not going to criticise Wexford too much because the golfing class sure. really was there. <laughs> what we were kind of looking for from Dublin was that ruthlessness. And if they were going to try something different, and they did seem to be trying something different with Johnny Cooper. Sweeping seems to be a funny word, maybe patrolling. Um, maybe a small bit like Keno Sullivan yeah. used to do. I think replacing Keno Sullivan is close on impossible, mm. but Johnny Cooper does have the experience. So it, it was interesting to see them doing it in that game where they didn't really have to, but it is about fine-tuning it back there as well because obviously when they get to the latter stage of the season, it's great to have good forwards, but you need to have yeah. the, the back sort of. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, uh, any time you hear Jason Sherlock talk about his time during <coughs> Jim Gavin's r- regime, you know, Obviously, on Saturday going into the game, the result was a bit of a formality given the the gap in class. But Dublin wanted to get something out of the game as well, and they certainly didn't want to, you know, win by seven, build up a seven or eight point lead, and then win by nine or ten points. They kept going for the full seventy, seventy five minutes. The players kept doing the right things at the right time. The shot selection was a lot better, and yes, they're obviously working on things as well with bigger games in mind further down the line. So I think for Desi Farrell and the management team, it ticked a lot of the boxes in that sense. They were able to give a couple the guys game time as well new guys Lee Gannon and Tom Lehiff I think both acquitted themselves very well and you know they are going to need those players this summer because the strength and depth just isn't there compared to previous years when Jim Gavin had the luxury yeah. you know looking behind him in, in Hogan stand he was these multiple All-Ireland winners that would be starting in any other county he was able to bring in Desi doesn't have that luxury, hence the reason why he as it was he had the blood guys during the National League and, and blooding guys in Division 1 is very, very tough because it's so cutthroat and the teams are at such a high standard. But I think, you know, he still did get value out of the league because he was able to try guys and you could nearly rule guys in for the summer and rule guys out of all the different players that he that he tried. But now that they've got guys back from uh, injury, Dalek Sakan that we mentioned, and I suppose the big thing there that, that you mentioned, Darren, is that defensive system because they did look very vulnerable and exposed at different stages uh, during the National League. If you go back to the Monaghan League game, the goal that Jack McCarron got that, that chipped the goalkeeper, yeah. like Mickford Simons was basically, had, there was 50 or 60 yards of space that he had to cover one-on-one. Like that was something that just never happened in the previous few years. So they do have to it's still a, a bit to go in that particular area but how they manage that defensive shape in the latter stages of the championship I think will go a long way to Dublin winning on Ireland this year or not even that goal you mentioned there in the league uh, Fitzsimons reaction to it was so unlike Dublin so mm. unlike him but I actually think it was more it wasn't frustration that he thought there was fault. I think it was more frustration that there was so much space around yeah. it was a case of what's going on here yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. not used to this yeah. um, but I suppose look I don't want to forget about Wexford either Um Look, it, it wasn't a pretty game for him. You know, when a game comes out, you'd wish it wasn't on TV. But I suppose for them, the big thing for them now is to actually don't drop the heads. Yeah. They're, they're down low in Division 4, but they have a good footballing history. And I know history matters nothing in the present, but 
approach the Taltian Cup, Kyle, with a good attitude and get a couple of games. And then, look, you can build on that and bring it into next year's league and push for promotion. And look, they got a win in Leinster, which maybe was a small but unexpected. But they have an opportunity now to play teams out of a similar level and hopefully they can not drop the heads too much and drive on and give it a good crack. Yeah, very. It'd be very easy now to to drop the head just yeah. to, on that performance. But I I thought for twenty minutes of the first half, you know, they they were doing the the things right. They were doing the things well. What they were doing was they were breaking from half back. Um, they were getting the ball into the right areas. The final pass they let them down a number of times. Just when they when they were in the scoring zone, they tried to force one extra pass and get it to maybe something that wasn't on, but. As, as you said, maybe now they can go back, regroup. Um, they will be playing teams at a similar level in the Tash Cup, which which I do think would be beneficial come the league for teams next year. You know, we always say that the, the league's probably our best competition because teams are not playing. You know, we don't have Dublin, we don't have mismatches in the league. Yeah, you know, yeah. we maybe have shock results to a certain degree, but we have teams all on a similar level playing each other, uh, and that's what makes it most exciting but Wexford you know they have a few weeks now to, to go back to analyse the game on what they did do well which was running the ball so look it's it's a hard one for them because they'll feel as if they didn't do themselves any justice that they'll want to have got more scores on the board um, but the nature of the beast that Dublin was they weren't there to be Dublin weren't coming to play around and last year I think you know it was only maybe seven or eight points in it so we can see that Dublin are, are, are making strides in the, the right direction this year, but Wexford have time to, to regroup themselves and hopefully they can, can make a bit of a run in, in the Talchon Cup now. But like Wexford absolutely should be targeting the Talchon Cup. You mean, I, I was struck by a comment yesterday evening by Tony McIntyre, the Sligo manager, and he said that they are going to embrace the Talchon Cup because they want good matches at the right time of year against opposition that are of their similar standard and I think it was refreshing to hear that from Tony and I'd yeah. like to think that all managers and teams and, and, and panels should take that approach because you know what's the alternative you know play the odd backdoor team, uh, game and get beaten in that and then you're going back training in the horrible conditions pre-Christmas oh, yeah. for a National League you know I think for Wexford they should focus on the fact that they had a really good win against Offaly yeah. you know beating a, 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 a Division 2 team our team that operate in Division 2 this year and I think you'd like to think that all of that panel will regroup maybe in a week or so and then target the Talton Cup and really go after it because you know the Talton Cup also needs these teams to embrace it as well otherwise 100%. it won't be a success and it'll be so much time and energy wasted on this particular competition but you know why not go for it Yeah but that's that'd be music to my ears when you hear the manager of a team going into the Talton Cup that they're mm. going to embrace it because you want to play games that's the whole point yeah. you want games and there's no point playing it's the only way games. to make progress yeah you know? 100% um, in the, old, the old system we could have had maybe two, Waxford beat by Dublin this weekend uh, backdoor system could have been drew against a mayor or Tyrone and yeah. all of a sudden that's their season over yeah and that'll be demoralising it's no yeah. good for anyone there You're what, how was your season last year oh, we got destroyed by Dublin then we got destroyed yeah. by whoever so it is about the management and the players, of course, embracing it. And they should do, because like that, it's going to be competitive games as well. But I suppose, going back to Dublin, Jim McGuinness came out and he said that Dublin need to find a new approach. They have to be trendsetters that people have copped on. I don't think they do, if I'm being honest. I think when Dublin do everything, if you ask me what did Dublin do well over the last five or six years, 
I wouldn't say it was anything spectacular. They did the basics better than ever. And I think most teams are pretty much as fit as they are. But Dublin just didn't lose the ball. Mm. So they were never chasing. Yeah. Their and game management yeah. and things like that were, was excellent. Yeah. So I don't think they needed a new approach. They Look, they got they were always going to get beaten. Mm. Eventually someone was going to beat them on a day. And that's what happened. And then during the league, they had a poor, poor league, whatever these things happen. But I, I don't think it's about reinventing the... I, like, I don't think so either. I, in, in my opinion, Dublin maybe have gone a little bit too far in terms of being a possession-based team. It's safe. And safe and, you know, playing the ball across the middle of the pitch and over the sidelines and quite lateral in their play. I would like to see them be a bit more direct and I think they were on Saturday. And like... I mean, let's be honest, if you're kind of caught on inside one-on-one, why wouldn't you be direct? I mean, yeah. I, I remember watching, was it the Dublin Kerry Lee game a couple of years ago in Turles, and like every ball that went into Conor Callahan, it didn't matter yeah. if it was a long high ball or a low ball into the corner, into the D, you know, there's no such thing as a bad ball into Conor Callahan in my view. So I'd like to see Dublin be more direct, given that quality of players that they have inside. And I think teams did figure them out a little bit over the last maybe year or two in that they have been uh, that possession-based team. But, I mean, if you look at Dublin and and any team, really, you know, you're either a possession-based team or you're a running team or you're, you know, a more direct kick-passing team. And, like, every team should have that approach and that you're going to use those three styles of play at some point in the game, depending on how the game is going and the opposition and stuff like that. And Dublin are very comfortable in that place that they can play those three styles of play. But I would like to see them you know, be the more direct kick-passing team, particularly when we get into Crow Park. Um, obviously, they won't be playing in Crow Park in the Leinster semi-final, but if they get to the Leinster final and hopefully playing all their games in Crow Park, then, you know, why not be direct? Yeah, yeah 100%. And I suppose um, Munster doesn't get much uh, talk about, I suppose, um, in the provincials at the moment, and people just keep talking about Kerry, but there was a cracking game down there, Limerick and Clare, Two teams that are going to be competing in Division Two, two like Clare for me have been very consistent over the last number of years, and Limerick under Billy Lee have been taken step by step, and it ended up being an absolute cracking game. Like I see people on Twitter giving out that it should have been on TV, but just like that, when you put a game on TV, then it's no good. But uh, the standard of football in it was absolutely exceptional as well. Some of the scores um, all over the place. Two very different styles of football but it was a great game, Kyle. I'm not sure how you'd feel about stepping up for a penalty. Uh, uh, I think I would be happy enough to, to hit a penalty now. Um, I hit them for the club so uh, it's probably just uh, we did speak about it off air if, if that game had been you know Shown live on TV beforehand, people might have been saying, you know, oh, you know, why is the Dublin game not on? So you can't, you can't win it in that regard. But yeah. in terms of penalties, I'd be happy enough to, to hit a penalty now. Um, under the circumstances, maybe slightly different, but um, it was. I seen I seen a few of the penalties, and there were some cracking penalties hit in that game. It's. It'd be interesting uh, to hear if they were practicing them in the lead up to the game. You know. Yeah, it actually would because, like, to be honest, it's not something I achieve been thinking about even the penalties you know I just didn't think about it but mm. I'm waiting for the, the first player to do the Paninka <laughs> <Ben's> <laughs> for, for the goalie Unless, just to stand there whole yeah. and catch it into <laughs> the bread basket yeah <laughs> but uh, oh. no it, it, it was a super game to be honest it was a great game and I was delighted two evenly matched teams yeah, yeah. and that's yeah. what it was and look I've look obviously I'd be chirping on about both teams because obviously being a monster played against them on numerous occasions and I've always felt that the likes of Clare don't get the credit they yeah. deserve and obviously Limerick went through a bad spell but they're on the way back and I think Cullen Boyle and Cullen Cooper both said that look the excitement of it but they'd probably prefer instead of penalties 
had maybe having kicks around the D or the 45 kind of off the hands which one would you be leaning towards I, yeah. actually, I don't like the penalties yeah, it's a tricky one. Um, I agree in the fact that the game should be finished on the day. Yeah. You know, I, I, obviously we've moved on now from, from replays in provincial championship matches and things like that. So I think uh, replays usually ended up being a bit of an anti-climax and, and obviously with the condensed calendar, they have to be finished on the day. Yeah, I can understand the point, maybe 40-yard freeze or something like that. But, you know, maybe one player hits a score and yeah. it goes over the post and then there's contentious issues yeah. around that. Is there Haw- Hawkeye or, or what there? At least with the penalties, it's quite straightforward I think there is obviously a fair bit of pressure on the players yes and it feels a little bit soccery that it yeah. goes to a penalty shootout rather than maybe using a skill that's you know Gaelic football specific um, so I think it's something to, to probably look at for, for the GA over the next year or two Yeah and I suppose other, other than that um, Tipperary had a comprehensive win against Watford so that's going to set up Limerick and Tipperary in a couple of weeks and I suppose uh Kildare versus Loud. I thought this was going to be a banana skin for Kildare. Yeah. To be honest, I was expecting um, I was expecting it to be a tighter game. Um, but Kildare had a great start. They did, yeah. They they were right out of the blocks, and that was probably the the winning of the game for them. And that I think they went seven 0 up at, at mm. one stage, which you know would have knocked Loud back on, on their heels. They did make a bit of a push on it until uh, Kildare got that penalty and and got the goal, and sort of saw it out relatively easy. Yeah, it was a potential banana skin given the fact that the strides of Mickey Lart, Mickey Hart, and uh, the the loud group of players that done the last couple of years you know it's actually two teams that'll be featuring against each other yeah. in Division 2 next year but there did seem to be a bit of a gap and you know I think one thing that probably wasn't helpful to loud was just the one week gap between yeah. the two matches I think that was unfortunate for a lot of teams winning like last week yeah and also you know opposition analysis like yeah. it's hard to you know for a management team you're, you're probably getting the tapes out on a Sunday night Monday it, yeah. trying to implement a bit of a game plan trying to give the players information on a Tuesday training session that you just you know put together the previous day um, in line of playing the, against Kildare the following weekend so I think that was a little bit unfair on those three teams that won the previous week in the Leinster Championship they only got a week's uh, grace there before they played but yeah, I think it's obviously, you know, a good win for Kildare. I think they're trending in the right direction, even though they, they got relegated. I think they had a very good Division 1 campaign, considering it was, you know, a big step up and they were very competitive in all those games. And, you know, it's a new management team as well. They're still trying to find their feet. They would have, you know, still trying to get the, to know the players and the players to get to know them. But um, I think it was a good game for Kildare to have under their belt. And obviously with the draw for the the, yeah. the, the Leinster semi-finals, they're on the opposite side to Dublin. So they will be quietly confident that the you know there's going to be a Leinster final there for them to contend in. Yeah, and what actually stood out for me the last day was the work rate by Kildare. I think they started as they meant to go on, and I think that kind of filtered in and out. They're a bit inconsistent with their work rate during the league, their skill levels and fitness were grand, but it was just a work rate thing. And Kyle, I suppose Mickey Hart and the the impact he's having on Loud. Um, I'm not sure were you a Mickey Hart in or a Mickey Hart out guy because obviously you would have played under him. And probably had a couple of different experiences with him. Yeah, uh, Mickey. Look, he, he's really, really good at, at what he what he does. Like he, one thing that I do think that that Louth will will benefit from from having him and, and Gavin Devlin, uh, and I think we can see see it in their play at the moment. But going down to Louth, I think the one thing Mickey will put in place is a proper structure in terms of he get the S and C sort of. He get he makes sure his um, backroom team is not lacking in, in any way. He'll put um, the the right medical team in in place. So 
it, it, I think now they are reaping the rewards from a really good structure and knowing what a certain professionalism uh, to a certain degree uh, and I think that we can see that uh, obviously they have some really good footballers and we see what, what Sam Roy is doing in mm. the league the highest scoring player throughout the country so th- that is one thing that, that I do think that, that we see that now they're getting the benefit from because having those two men uh, in there they'll not leave any stone unturned in terms of the, their preparation they'll be meeting plenty of times during the week they'll be doing their video work that, that we don't you know so but from a Tyrone point of view, I do think like it was it was a, a time for a, a new voice, and, and we've seen last year what what way things went in terms of a fresh fresh approach um, and a whole new setup in terms of the backroom team and everything. So I think that Tyrone reaped the awards from that. Yeah, and I suppose the only pity for Loud is that they're actually not in the Taltian Cup, mm. and hopefully for their progress, they did a, a favourable draw. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and I suppose. Sticking to Leinster, we had a record down in Mead against Wicklow. Nine seconds. <laughs> I think every game I've ever played, the last thing I hear is just start well or yeah. mind the house or get tight. your house in order. <laughs> yeah, keep it tight. Nine seconds, goal. I was yeah. like, what is happening here? It looked like, like a, a preconceived move, you know, a training ground move. Reminded me a little bit of own merchant uh, against Kerry. I don't <laughs> go, like we, we, we nearly did a whole show without that coming up. Um, but the, the thing that struck me was like, where was the full back gone? Um, like it completely opened up. Um, the the, the mid player ran through from from the half forward line and ran thirty, forty, fifty yards to goal, and completely untouched the two corner backs. Were obviously minding their own man and never edged across, the, uh, which which it should be doing. But there was massive gap there from the throw in that obviously the the mid full forward had dragged the the Wicklow full back out. So, you know that was a, a glaring error from the Wicklow side of it. But you know it was a good win for Mead. Do you ever get a goal that quick, Kyle? Never got a goal that quick. I wasn't famed for, for scoring too many goals throughout my career. Um, I think you were more of a goal getter, Darren, but not, definitely not me. I, I wasn't, unless I come off the post and I was standing in the right spot. <laughs> uh, I, my scoring goals. It takes me a while to warm up. I wouldn't be warm enough after nine seconds to sprint for it. It takes me a while to get going. <laughs> I'd be the same as you. <laughs> but uh, I suppose Westmead had a big win in the division and Ulster Monaghan had a big win and Roscommon had a big win in Connacht. But like that, we're going on to another weekend where it's just going to be action packed. Uh, Kerry and Cork has finally sorted. It's in Parky Arena. I, like I was chatting to a few. What were your opinions on that? Because it's 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 funny. I where I am in in Kerry in Glenbay, it's all Cork people and Limerick people where I'm from. You know, for the summer and they're down and like the Cork people were so fed up with it. I'd say they're just because they're not going well in hurling. They're not yeah. going well in the football. You know, it's it's just been a bit of a turkey shoot below there. Yeah, and for Cork GA, I mean, they've had their issues with the stadium as well and, and the financing of that. And obviously, Ed Sheeran has, has had an impact actually on the pitch as well in that sense. Um, I read Darrow Shea's article there recently in, in, in the Times about the, the particular issue around Cork and the venue. And I always enjoy Darrow's articles. Um, they're excellent. And he was very, very critical of the Cork players. And there, there was a lot of sense in it in that, you know, 
I suppose now is an opportunity for the Cork players to really stand up. So they made a bit of a, a push and a stance for playing in Porky Rin and they didn't want to give away home field advantage. Um, the likelihood is that there's only going to be one result in, in this game and in that there, um, there's a ne- high expectation that Kerry will win. But I suppose for this Cork team and in terms of their journey, yeah, they nearly couldn't get any lower. But now is maybe an opportunity that they're actually going to show something. You know, the, um, the backs are against to the wall. They've stood up uh, for what they feel is the right thing to do. And now they've got to do it on the pitch. You know, there's been yeah. a lot of talk about it, a lot of articles written about it, a lot of discussion on social media, etc. So I think um, the Cork players, let's see what they're made of on, on Saturday and are they actually going to stand up for 70, 75 minutes and give Kerry a real game. Yeah, and Kyle, um, the Leinster Championship draw was made. Mead, Dublin, Kildare and Westmead and their double header set for Crow Park. Have the Leinster, and the, they won't be on TV either, which is another argument as well, like, because I think there's hurling on. But uh, have they missed the trick by not bringing it to provincial grounds there instead of everything back to Crow Park? I know, I'm not asking Barry because he, <laughs> I know where he's going with it. Yeah. But it's for me, yeah, I just think this year, even like, you know, there was the, the argument with Antrim and Cavan about Corrigan Park. It wasn't big enough. It was fine. Cavan did the business. Kerry Cork with Parky Rin. We're going to Parky Rin. Yeah. And it does give you more opportunity of uh, an upset, but it does create a better atmosphere as well. So it's, it's a, I think it's a pity and it's, I think it's a trick missed by the Leinster Council this time to have them separately and have them in, let's say, Dublin going down to Mead or Kildare going to Westmead or Westmead going up, it didn't matter. Um, I think we'd have been in for better games. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree with that. And I think that we have missed a trick here we go to Croke Park a double header. It, it loses its it loses its appeal a wee bit in terms of teams. Dublin have when we talk about Dublin, Dublin have the the advantage in terms of Croke Park. They know it so well. And but Leinster Council, we, that that game of me and and Dublin would sell out a provincial ground no problem because Dublin probably. Not going as well as they had been throughout the years. Um, me maybe senses the chance if it is somewhere else other than Crook Park to cause that upset yeah. to get as many fans in to get a close knit ground. Um, I was at the Antrim and Cavan game that day, and there was big talk of you know it needed to be somewhere else. It wasn't even sold out. No, it was. No. It was there was very few there. You know, it wasn't. I think there was only about two and a half thousand people there. Um, it it held a capacity crowd of four thousand one hundred. So. Look, I do think that they have missed the trick here and the, these games should have been at provincial grounds. It brings a better atmosphere. It brings... You know, we, we go to Croke Park, we, we might only have 45,000, 50,000 where we go to the provincial ground, two separate games, 14, 15,000 people yeah. packed in. You know, it, th- That's what those type of games are, are missing, in my opinion. You know, that's from an outsider because in Ulster, we normally do get those scenarios. Yeah. We get to go to Clonas, we get to go to Armagh, the Athletic Grounds, a great pitch, great atmosphere. And I think it adds to the occasion, it adds to the game. And I think Dublin players have come out in recent years saying they're happy to play anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the, the result would, would probably go one, one way regardless of where the venue is. But um, I think for me, psychologically, they've gone to Crow Park so many times in recent years, over the last 10 years in particular, and got a bad beating by Dublin yeah. and Crow Park. So psychologically... 
it would have been a boost for them if they're able to possibly not Navin but play them in Port Leash or whatever that might be but I think a, a big thing as well is for Kildare they'll probably be happy it's in Croke Park as well because that's for, for ultimately for, for where Glen Ryan and management team want to get to they're going to want to be able to be as comfortable as possible to be in Croke Park they want to win Leicester finals in Croke Park or Lennon quarter finals in Croke Park so they will certainly be happier that um, they're getting a run out against us meet there yeah, and I suppose as well this weekend we have Galway and Leitrim. Look, without being disrespect, disrespectful to Leitrim, I think we'd all probably expect that Galway will come out on top of that. I actually tipped Ross Common for um, the Connacht and my tips haven't been going well this year. So <laughs> that, that probably means Galway are going to win it. Neither my tipped Antrim and Armagh last week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'm going to go to you now, Kyle, because I want your opinion. Donegal and Cavan, where are we going? Uh, this... Cavan seemed to be um, a bit of a closer unit than they were last year. They seem to have got things moving in the right direction um, uh, as a unit. They, I just don't know if they have enough um, enough to take this Donegal side. I think that we see the likes of Owen Bond Gallagher running from deep. Uh, that Then you have McBrady coming in the loop, who was quiet for the first 20, 20 odd minutes against Armagh, then just he, like a flick of a switch, he, he turned it on. Um, it's a game that, that that I see being close for 50, 55 minutes and, and just see that Donegal maybe winning by, by five or six in the finish up. But um, it's Donegal will be in a favourable position going into to the weekend. I don't think that, that Calvin have enough... Um, ammunition up front to cause them to bother for, for the full 70 minutes. I think if they get close on um, Paddy Lynch and they get a, a man marker on Garou McKernan, that puts out a lot of uh, the Calvin fires. Yeah, what are you thinking, Barry? Yeah, look, I, I remember being at the Donegal Cavan Ulster final there three years ago in 2019, and there was a big gap between the two yeah. teams. Uh, Donegal were excellent that day in Clonus, and obviously, you know, Cavan caught them the following year, fully deserved Ulster title, did it the hard way, and um, were full, won the Ulster title and full merit. I think that game is going to play in the back of the minds of the Donegal guys at the, the amount of criticism and stick they took for losing that game because a lot of people felt that Donegal were the closest to Dublin and, and that they would really put it up to Dublin in terms of being All-Ireland contenders and that game I probably still haunting them and yeah. I think that's a big motivation factor for Donegal uh, going into this game so, and I think for Donegal now we've already seen the two All-Ireland finalists get beaten their stock is rising on, on the back of um, the Armagh victory if they are worth their salt and if they have genuine All-Ireland uh, ambitions they should beat Cavan relatively comfortably and I think when you go down through the Donegal team they've enough good players there that uh, they'll be looking at you know All-Ireland semi-finals possibly an All-Ireland final later in the year and you know they, they should beat Cavan relatively comfortably in my view Yeah well that's the thing I think they should be beating them comfortably and I think Donegal's biggest issue in recent years has been inconsistencies yeah. but I suppose their recent history being caught by Cavan a couple of years ago should have them well tune in for this game but unfortunately, we could have stayed here for another hour talking about it, but that's all we have time for in today's show. A big thanks to my two guests, Barry, for coming in and Kyle for joining us remotely. And join us next week for more Football Championship Chat. You're listening to the GAA Hour with Darren O'Sullivan on Sports Joe. The final whistle is all over. Jim Gowan, Jason Sherlock embrace. Dublin are the history makers. Today, 
Sean Kavanagh, who is a brilliant footballer, but I tell you what, you can forget about Sean Kavanagh as far as he's a man. O'Sullivan, oh, that was absolutely brilliant. What about that for skill from Darren O'Sullivan? Kieran McDonald, it's high, it's over! Will he ever get a more vital one than that? The transition talk, I think Joe Bradley told us the production line was finished in Kerry. Well, Joe Bradley, what do you think of that? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.